0: Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Golf Strategy School podcast. My name is Marty Griffin, and I am coming to you from the Super Speed Golf Studios. Super Speed Golf, as you know, is my studio sponsor, but I know it can get old hearing one voice all the time. So, what I wanted to do is to share some testimonials that others have shared online from Super Speed Golf. Now, this comes from a website called My Golf Spy. MyGolfSpy is an independent testing agency that tests all sorts of things, golf balls, golf clubs, and equipment. Super Speed golf went to MyGolfSpy to get an honest cross-section of people to really, truly test their stuff, and this is what one of their folks had to say. This is from Kevin Gillespie. Kevin says, Can confirm the gains are real. I began the program on November 3rd, five months ago, and was registering 102 to 105 on clubhead speed on my foresight launch monitor. Two months into phase three, and I am consistently seeing 118 miles per hour. Certainly been an adjustment to my distance control across the board, but have seen my par 5 scoring get lower and lower. Been a game changer for me. Now, if you want to see those type of gains, if you want to experience your par 5 scoring getting lower and lower, just like Kevin did, head over to superspeedgolf.com, put in promo code Golf Strategy, and you'll get 10% off your entire order. So with that being said, let's get into today's topic. For me, this is one of the most important foundational levels of understanding for amateur golfers especially those with higher handicaps and it's what i like to call the break 100 blueprint do you love to play golf do you wish you could be a more consistent and confident player well you're in the right place this is the golf strategy school podcast where we discuss specific practice strategies used by some of the best golf instructors from around the world. Here's your host, Marty Griffin. All right, everybody. So what is the Break 100 Blueprint? Now, I know that's like a a super appealing kind of headline or call to action. And the fact of the matter is, if you're struggling to break 100, you've probably read a bunch of articles like this and heard a bunch of things and watched a bunch of videos. So... I would bet that there's a healthy amount of skepticism also flowing through your veins as you're hearing this. The fact of the matter, though, and I do emphasize fact, is that people who struggle to break 100 have a lot of similar issues. And the majority of them fall into three basic groups. So what we're covering today is first, unrealistic expectations. Second, penalties and really specifically off the tee box. And then third is the poor short game. Now I can already hear you saying like, but I'm, I'm actually pretty good with my short game. Just hang tight. We'll talk about it. We'll set some new goals and we'll go from there. So unrealistic expectations when it comes to golf, this might be one of the biggest issues that most people think they either don't have, or they think doesn't apply to them. When you're looking at your scorecard, the first number that jumps out to you is probably what par is on each individual hole, right? And okay, fine. If it's not the first number, you know, you might be thinking the distance of the hole or maybe what the handicap of the hole is. I guarantee you par is probably the second thing you're looking at if you're looking at one of those other two numbers first. So let's kind of unpack par. What is it? Go ahead, say it out loud to yourself. What is par? You're probably thinking, well, it's what you're supposed to shoot on each hole. And if you said that, you're half right. Par is what you're supposed to shoot on each hole. If your handicap is zero. Now, again, I don't want to make you feel bad. But if you're reading articles and watching videos and listening to podcasts about how to break 100 on the golf course and you really expect yourself to make par on every hole, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. This is a fact that I like to use to kind of illustrate my point to my clients. And that fact is that players on the PGA Tour really only hit about eh, 12 and a half greens in regulation out of 18, obviously that's on average. So if professionals who spend the majority of their life practicing this game only hit the green about 70% of the time, how many greens do you expect to hit in regulation for yourself? And I want you to be honest about this. you know, is this a realistic expectation for you based on your skill level? For someone who is struggling to break a hundred, which is a 28 handicap, they're going to average between zero and one greens hit in regulation. And when we expect ourselves to hit every single green in regulation, what we're doing is we're putting all this unnecessary pressure on ourselves. And we're doing it in hopes that we consistently achieve what is a statistical anomaly. Another way to think about it is whatever number you came up with when I asked, hey, how many greens do you expect yourself to hit in regulation? Let's say you said five. All right. Well, would you take $5,000 out of your bank account and bet $1,000 at a time that you would hit that green in regulation? Probably not, you know, you want to talk about pressure, putting big sums of money on the line, that's pressure. So if you wouldn't make this fiscal risk of trying to hit the green in regulation at thousand dollars a pop, why does the thought process change just because there's a ball on the line instead of a thousand dollars? So instead of thinking that you have to get on the green in regulation, I think it's really important that you at least consider, and if you're one of my clients, I take consider out of the equation. I tell you, we need to move the finish line. We need to get to something that's more achievable. It's a lot like uh, my layering success episode that came out a couple weeks ago. We want to do something on a consistent basis and build from there. So if you're struggling to break 100 I don't want you to get on the green in regulation. That is too big of an ask. It's putting way too much pressure on you. Instead, let's try to get most of the way to the green in regulation. Now, this is a big foundational principle from Will Robbins, who is a past guest on the, on the podcast. So if you want to hear his philosophy on this, which I borrow heavily from, you can go ahead and check out his episode. But Really, to kind of break it down quickly, if you're playing a par five, I don't want you to think on the green in regulation. I want you to think within 100 yards of the green in regulation. So we're talking about three shots. If you're playing a par four, again, we're not saying on the green in regulation. Now we're saying within 75 yards in regulation. So two shots. And then if we're playing a par three, you can probably guess, I don't want you to try and hit the green in one. I just want you to be within 50 yards of the green in one. So now think about how big of an ask that is. Would you bet $1,000 on that outcome? It gets a lot more reasonable, doesn't it? So what we're doing here is we're removing all of this excess pressure that we're putting on ourselves. So instead of feeling like you have to hit your driver off of every tee box, you can achieve your new goal with safer, more conservative clubs. And you can be a lot more confident in those swings. Do you think you could safely hit two shots in a row that average, you know, 135, 140 yards? Well, if you can do that, that means you could be within 75 yards on a 350 yard par four in two, you could achieve that goal. You've got a lot better chance of doing this than just a standard kind of spray and pray, you know, reaching all the way back, doing your best John Daly impression. And what it's going to do is it's going to lead to a lot lower scores and a lot more confidence and therefore a lot more consistency in your game. And this actually correlates perfectly into our second point, which is penalties. So anytime I I think of this topic, I'm always reminded of one of my most popular interviews on this podcast. And that was with Craig Jones, the founder of face first golf. And he said from the tee box, you should hit a shot that you're comfortable with. You know, sure. It's not the shot, that golf digest and the golf channel want to give you three quick tips on, but it will lead to much better scores if we think about what the purpose of the game is, it's not to hit some highlight reel shot is to get the ball in the hole in as few as strokes as possible. So rather than, you know, sniping it two fairways over, you can just hit a comfortable shot off the tee box and be in a much safer position before every single shot, the other piece of advice I would give you is determine what would be a safe zone on the whole and what would be a danger zone. And no, I'm not, I'm not talking about highway to the danger zone, not Kenny Loggins. We're talking about punitive areas of the golf course. So obviously water, out of bounds, those are the big obvious ones. But also if there's like a tree line, that might be a danger zone. And if the other side is safe, that might be your safe zone. It's really anything that could potentially incur like a lost ball or a penalty stroke. So a lot of people have pointed this out to me in my one-on-one lessons. And I know I've been a big preacher in the past of you know positive thinking, positive thinking. And it always comes up like, well, if you're telling me to, out the danger zone isn't that a negative thought something that we should just be avoiding pushing out of our mind altogether the downside of that kind of black and white thought process is that it doesn't matter how positive your thinking is if you're pulling out a four hybrid and you're thinking positively and you're trying to hit a shot 240 yards over a body of water I hate to say this to you, but you're going to get wet. You know, the power of positive thinking does not just mean I can say it so it's going to happen. You also have to make smart decisions. So our safe zone is essentially as far away as possible from the danger zone. Pretty, you know, intuitive, right? Usually I like to aim for flat areas Somewhere that I'm going to be able to easily approach the green from with my next shot or approach my new on in regulation distance. Now, there's plenty of places on a golf course that you can hit a shot from that aren't going to require some miracle to make contact. Let's try to put the ball there, okay? So, the other place this comes into play is more of like a thought process. And that's kind of like the real lesson of the whole avoiding penalties concept. And it's just don't be a hero. You know, you see this all the time with basketball. There's the one guy who just dribbles and dribbles and dribbles. And then five seconds are left on the shot clock and they throw up some Hail Mary. Now, unless you're Damian Lillard and you're making a 38 foot three pointer to win the series, and you've done that 150 times it's probably not a good bet. Again, imagine what you would feel like if you were putting $1,000 on that shot coming out the way that you want it to. That's just the way to kind of approach these shots. You can't win a tournament in one swing, but you can absolutely lose one. I mean, let's think of Tin Cup, right? He just sits there and drops ball after ball after ball all over one shot. When in reality, he could have laid up, got up and down and gone to his playoff. You know, if you don't feel comfortable over a shot, it means that you need to hit a different shot. I also encourage people to play away from hazards like bunkers, especially if you're a higher handicapper, that is definitely a stroke sucker for you is bunkers. So if you're looking at a situation and you're approaching a green and there's a bunker on one side, you know what? It's totally fine to hit the opposite side of the green. Don't get sucked into that sucker pin. This is another thing that Craig Jones talks about. He says, and it's one of my favorite quotes. Don't follow a bad shot with a dumb one. So if you find yourself in a situation like you are, maybe in a tree line, first rule, get out, just punch it out and work from there. Don't try to hit that miracle shot. You're going to hear like 14 ricochets and you're going to be in an even worse position. So don't be a hero. Play the safe shot. Play the conservative shot with a confident swing. If you're eliminating penalties, both in the actual, like, splash sense and that mental sense where you're just being overly aggressive you are going to take a monumental step towards breaking 100 now our last one is the short game and i know a lot of higher handicappers feel that their short game is the strength of their game but in reality it might be better than your long game but it doesn't mean it's good So this is really a huge problem for all handicaps. The fact of the matter is that even if you're a scratch golfer, the majority of your shots are going to come around the green. For a lot of people, this is even upwards of like 70% of their shots are going to come within, let's say, 20 yards of the green. So what does this mean? Well, it means you're going to have to get real cozy with your flat stick and you're going to have to learn to actually... Chip with some consistency. In the long run, your putter is going to be your best friend. You'll need to master your lag putting as well as get comfortable and confident over those short putts. You know, I've talked about this before in other episodes. I have a fantastic putting routine that I think should be the last thing everyone does before they actually go out and play. It's the six foot putting ladder. And I actually wrote an article about this. Uh, It's essentially called like No More Three Putts. So I'll link that up in the show notes if you want to check that out. But it's really an awesome drill that you can use to conquer your touch on the greens for those long ones and then make you really, really confident over those short ones that might be knee knockers in the past. Uh, The other thing which I kind of alluded to earlier is the chip shots. I know a lot of people, especially in this higher handicap range, tend to, my father-in-law says, hit the big ball first, meaning the earth, (laughs) you know, chunking chip shots, sculling them across the green. Let's try to apply that same betting logic, okay? So if you're standing five feet off the green and the cup is 30 feet away and you've got one ball in your hand, are you going to, for $1,000... You've got to get it within four feet of the hole. Are you going to shoot it like a Steph Curry three-pointer? Or are you going to just roll it up there, you know, like your bowling stroke? I know I would absolutely be rolling it, trying to get it within four feet for a thousand dollars. And I would feel pretty confident about that. If you told me that I had to shoot it over my head as if it was a basketball, or throw it way up high in the air and make it land softly, I am not going to feel confident in that shot. And so now I'm introducing more opportunity for struggles and inconsistency. Now, I'm absolutely not the first person to say this, and I hope I'm not the last person to say it. Um, I remember Tiger Woods putting with his three wood in the early 2000s. And that is a fantastic way to approach this type of shot. So if you're just a few feet, you know, five, 10 feet off the green and you've got a long way to go, we want to get the ball on the ground as quick as possible. So you could take a fairway wood or a hybrid and just take like a putting stroke and there will be just enough loft on that club to lift the ball into the air And it's going to be so much harder to like chunk those or to blade those than if you're taking a sand wedge or a lob wedge and trying to fly the ball the majority of the way to the hole. Again, the moral of the story is get the ground on the ball as soon as possible because it eliminates variables. And the less variables we have, the more consistent we can be with our outcomes. You know, golf is not a game of perfect. It's about making sure that our misses... Are as good as possible. So take these three principles out with you the next time you're playing and see if you can use them to your advantage. Let's keep ourselves out of the danger zone. Let's be proactive in how we practice. Let's keep our penalties off our cards and let's have realistic expectations about our abilities. So until next time, I will catch you all in the short grass. Cheers, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par for successcom slash Griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this